This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, man, the political season, you you thought it was going to end. You just thought it was going to end, but all the smart people were like, yeah, it's probably not going to end on election night. And yes, they were right. But guys, here's the deal. Um, I know a lot of you don't really like the, the political talk. It's not really the thing that you're into, even though politics is essentially in everything and affects everything. But I do feel like we need to take a little bit of a break from politics uh, for a while, at least on this podcast. I know you guys are getting tired of hearing me talk about it. I'm getting tired of hearing me talk about it. So this is going to be hopefully the last political podcast that we have for a while, because I've had a lot of other subjects that I've wanted to get into and things that even since this summer that I wanted to talk about that. But the, the news cycle just hasn't really allowed for that. And so we're going to make a transition. But today we're going to talk about how the election is essentially over. And I know for some of you right out of the gate, we're 60 seconds into this podcast and you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Are you liberal talking points and blah, blah, blah. But, but guys, essentially this is, this race is over, right? Uh, I know that the Donald Trump administration is kind of gathering some things right now, um, the media has declared Joe Biden the winner, which is not how this works. The media doesn't declare that. Um, it has to happen through the vote. The vote tallies have not been certified yet in any state. That's not going to happen for uh, several more weeks. Um, Trump's legal team, they're, you know, they're getting together some filings and they're preparing lawsuits in multiple states. But at the end of the day, none of this is really going to matter, I don't think. Because, uh, you know, Democrats and the mainstream media, they're, they're calling you insane if you question the validity of the results. And, you know, guys, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, for, for years they said that Trump was put in place by the Russians. And even after that wasn't proven, they were like, oh, no, this is still a conspiracy. Or, you know, the Hunter Biden story was a Russian conspiracy hoax and those types of things. So, yeah, basically you can suck it, guys. Like you you said it for four years. It's nonsense. Um, you know, Biden at this point, he's calling for unity, which basically means uh, we will unify as long as you agree with every single thing that we say. Otherwise, we'll burn your business down kind of a thing. But this is what it ultimately boils down to, guys. The odds of Donald Trump displaying information that tilts the elections back into his favor in states like Arizona and Georgia and Michigan and Nevada and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are incredibly slim, incredibly slim. I know it's not over. There's a long fight to be had, but it's incredibly, incredibly slim. Slimmer still are the odds that he's able to prove in a court of law, which you have to do, that widespread voter fraud took place to such a degree that it undermines the election results in those key battleground states. It's almost zero, the, the, the possibility of that happening. There's an overwhelming likelihood that Joe Biden will be taking up residence in the White House in January. Again, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you can go back to my episode where I talked about the reasons to vote for Donald Trump, where I said that I was planning on voting for Donald Trump, which I did. So I obviously don't want that to happen. And guys, if I'm wrong, if a month and a half from now, like we, we get the court cases and they're all done. Cause just a reminder, remember when, you know, Gore did all the stuff back in uh, 2000 between him and Bush. And there was all the stuff that was taken to the courts that was settled on like December 12th or 13th. Right. So that was almost a month and a half of court cases. And that was over one state, Florida. Like we may have court cases in half a dozen different States. Right. So this is going to take a while to suss out, but I will happily come on this podcast and eat crow if I'm wrong. 
if the Donald Trump administration and Rudy Giuliani and all these other people, if they're able to find this level of corruption that actually swung the election in the favor of Joe Biden, that actually changed the results of the election, I will gladly come in here and do that. But I just don't really see that that's going to happen. So I think we need to be realistic about what things look like from here. But a quick message uh, for all of you real quick, before we get into the meat of today's podcast, if you're still listening, I know there's some conservatives that are pretty pissed off right now. It is what it is. But here's a quick message. For all of you, including the Christians, that just couldn't bring yourselves to vote for Donald Trump for whatever reason, and you chose to vote for Joe Biden for president, okay? I want you to remember your reasons when you see what Biden and Kamala Harris do in their administration, the the things that they're planning on doing. I want you to remember your reasons when they try to codify Roe v. Wade into law, into actual law. Kamala Harris has already said she was going to do that. I want you to remember your reasons when they force through the so-called Equality Act that directly infringes on your religious rights, especially if you're a business owner or a school. I want you to remember your reasons when Biden puts liberal activist judges on the Supreme Court and other federal appeals courts. I also want you to remember your reasons when your tax bills go up. I want you also to remember your reasons when he potentially locks the country down again and requires everyone to wear a mask because COVID or something, okay? When those things happen and all the other things that I can't even think of off the top of my head, I don't want to hear your complaints. I am not interested in your complaints. You can clutch your pearls and you can be frustrated, but don't come to me with that because we knew this was going to happen. If you walked into the ballot booth and and you pulled the lever for Joe Biden or filled in the bubble for Joe Biden, you should have known this was all coming because they've been signaling it for months at this point. There was no surprise here. And also to the people that voted for Biden for president, but then voted Republican everywhere else down ballot. The overwhelming majority of you did that because you just couldn't get past Donald Trump's personality. And I understand that to a degree. So it gave you a bit of a warm fuzzy to vote for Joe Biden because he seems like he will be more presidential. But I would just like to remind you that we had a quote unquote presidential guy in the White House for eight years and he was deeply corrupt and horrible for America and terrible for religious people. His name was Barack Obama. And again, go back to the episode where I talked about Donald Trump because I I gave you a laundry list of the things that I don't like about the man. But as a religious person, have you felt vilified over the last four years? Like as a follower of Christ, have you felt vilified? And I I had even a good buddy of mine say, you know, Trump probably doesn't even believe half the things that he's saying right now. And I would agree with that sentiment. I've told you before, I don't think Donald Trump is actually pro-life, but I don't care what you feel in your heart. I care what you do if you're running the entire government. That's what I care about. So for instance, let's say in your heart of hearts, you are pro-life. You think, you know, from the moment of conception that that is a human being, it's worthy of protection and all those different things. But as president of the United States, you're like, ah, but we, we, we can't really do anything to legislate that. You can't legislate morality and everything that you do in the light is pro-choice. What, which would you rather have? Would you have the guy that actually believes it, that doesn't do anything about it? Or the guy that maybe doesn't feel that way, but everything he does legislatively is towards that direction. So again, all you people that are like, Joe Biden seems more presidential and this is a return to normalcy. I want you to remember the reasons why you voted for that guy when we see what happens to the country moving forward, okay? 
So before we get into the main reason why I think that Donald Trump probably lost this election, I have a few random thoughts that I want to go over. I want to try to go over these quickly. So let's go ahead and launch in here. So the first thing is, isn't it interesting how none of the glitches, right? So there's a lot of glitches like, oh, well, 6,000 votes were supposed to go to Donald Trump and they actually went to Joe Biden. Whoopsie. Uh, None of those glitches in the voting system or the the irregularities that we're seeing, which uh, basically in, in guaranteeing the vote tallies, none of those went against Joe Biden. Like none of them. They only went against Trump. I haven't seen a single thing. Again, this isn't a conspiracy theory, but have you seen a single case in the United States so far where a, a gaggle of ballots was supposed to go for Trump, but you know, accidentally, or that was supposed to go for Biden, but they went for Trump or, you know, have these people that found, you know, a thousand ballots for Joe Biden in the trash, right? Like, did you, did you see any of that? That's at least very interesting. Another random thought is it's, it's not what you believe happened, guys. It's what you can prove that happened, right? It's not what you believe. It's what you can prove in court. So a lot of you believe that there was chicanery going on and guys, I I think you're right. I think there's enough smoke around here to realize like, man, maybe not enough to swing the election, but gosh, there was some nefarious stuff going on in a lot of these districts and they all seem to be going one way. And every time the vote, the vote tallies change, it seemed to be at like three or four in the morning. That's not nothing, right? It's not nothing. So, but again, guys, it's not what you believe. It's what you can actually prove. Another random thought is regardless of what side you're on, you should want the department of justice to thoroughly investigate these allegations of voter fraud, right? Because obviously if you're a Trump person, if you're a Republican, you want them to investigate it and you're, you're hoping that they find it and they find it to the degree that it actually flips the election back to your boy. But if you're a Biden person, right, you should want the same thing because if they investigate it and they don't find widespread voter fraud and they did a thorough investigation and everyone basically says that, then that's good for you. Because a year down the road, when a Trump person's like, oh, Trump's still the president and Biden's the fake president, you can be like, nah, bro. Uh, they looked at it. Mm, no dice. Kind of the same thing when it, well, it was the same argument whenever the Mueller report came out and there was no there there. And you were like, all right, Democrats, shut up. Like, shut up for the next couple of years because you got nothing. You got nothing. So, again, we should want these investigations to go through. This election is technically not over. It is probably realistically over, but technically it's not over. We have to let the justice system play out. So let's let it play out. Another random thought to conservatives or Republicans, if Biden is certified as the winner, after all of this, all the stuff that we have to go through, just accept it and move on. Right? You know, if he's certified as the winner, don't pull this not my president crap. Again, I couldn't stand that when George W. Bush was president. I couldn't stand that when Donald Trump was president for those eight years that Barack Obama was on the, at the helm of this country, he was my president. Now I didn't vote for him. I voted for John McCain. and I voted for Mitt Romney, which I significantly regret at this point, but he was my president. The, the United States people spoke and they spoke and he was the president. Okay. So if that's what ends up happening, just accept it and move on. Don't be ridiculous. Another random thought. It's very interesting that people all across the country were boarding up their businesses just in case Trump won, not the other way around, right? In every major city, you saw people boarding up their businesses days before the election, because if Trump won, they knew that the top was going to blow off this thing. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, pretty much every agitator group was going to be going and trying to destroy everything to tear down the system or whatever. But have you seen any of that? 
Because I, I talked to people that had it on good authority that if Biden was declared the winner, that these right wing militias and these dudes in trucks with Trump flags were going to start destroying businesses and setting stuff on fire. Has anyone done that yet? I've seen some gatherings at the state Capitol, which are peaceful assemblies, right? Lawful assemblies. But isn't that interesting? When my side loses, they, they might scream and yell and all that, but they're not going to destroy your livelihood. When the other side loses, they want to burn it all down something to think about. Another random thought. Things actually turned out pretty well for conservatives and Republicans. I think in the the last podcast, I said that the uh, Republicans actually lost seats in the House of Representatives. I think at the time that was accurate, but it ended up not being accurate. So I definitely want to correct the record. They actually made gains in the House of Representatives. We don't know exactly how many yet because there's still some things going in, but they gained in the House of Representatives when there was supposed to be a blue wave. Uh, They're likely to keep the Senate. As of right now, there's going to be two runoffs, likely two runoffs in the state of Georgia in January. It's likely that they keep at least one of those seats to make it a majority there in the United States Senate. They gained in state houses. They gained in governorships. Uh, They made tremendous gains in the minority communities, like uh, unbelievable vote tallies for Donald Trump from black men, from uh, Latinos, from basically every group for Trump went up except for like college age white men or or college educated white men. That was the only group that came down for him, which, which is interesting, but there are some pretty good things to look at in the future. Um, but I guess that really rolls into the next random thought, which is that I'm not terribly optimistic that the next crop of Republicans or whoever the next guy or gal is going to be can gin up the same level of excitement that Trump did. I'm not super optimistic about that because if we look forward to 2024, there's a lot of people whose names are kind of circulating as maybe the next GOP presidential candidate. So you've got obviously have uh, vice president, Mike Pence, you have former, uh, UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, who would be my choice for what I've seen so far. I think she's absolutely fantastic. You have Senator from South Carolina, Tim Scott, you have house member from Texas, Dan Crenshaw, even though with Dan Crenshaw, I know a lot of guys, especially on this podcast, really like him. I don't know that he has a national name recognition, right? He hasn't been in Congress for very long, but you know, he's been thrown around, you know, I've Senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, Senator from Florida, Marco Rubio, Senator from Nebraska, Ben Sass, Governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, even Tucker Carlson, you know, the, the Fox News host, uh, he's been thrown out there. But then there's the obvious thing and what the, the, the betting odds have for right now is that Donald Trump might run again, right? If he, if he loses, which is very probable, he may run again in 2024. Now he will be four years older. And then all those people that were like, but Joe Biden's too old. Well, essentially Donald Trump will have been that old, right? By that point. But then there's also Donald Trump Jr., there's Ivanka. There's people that think Eric has uh, Eric Trump has has that kind of an idea. But the, the the point I guess I'm trying to make is these inroads were made by Donald Trump in the Donald Trump administration. I don't know if Pence or Haley or Scott or Crenshaw or Cruz or Rubio or Sass or San, DeSantis or Abbott or Carlson or any of those other people that are going to be thrown out there have that same level of appeal. Because I remember when Donald Trump was uh, at a black church here. I don't know how recently it was, maybe been a few years ago. He basically was like, guys, what do you have to lose? Like you've had democratic control of these cities and of these policies for half a century and look at what it's done to your community, right? Uh, is your community better off than it, than it was even 50 years ago in terms of, you know, the, the relative success of your groups? He's like, what do you have to lose? Like, is my, is my gal Nikki Haley going to say that? I don't know. Is, is the guy I rolled with last time, Marco Rubio going to say that? I, I just don't know. Because I think people, uh, more Latinos rolled out to support Donald Trump than did Marco Rubio back in the day. So interesting, something to watch for. But also another random thought here is 
here are the interesting media narratives to watch out for because we're about to see a bunch of sleight of hand guys and don't worry i, I promise we're going to get to the, to the meat of the podcast but there there's going to be some sleight of hand and the very first sleight of hand is the one that you saw immediately which guys congratulations covid19 has been cured we are good to go they are partying in the streets guys like joe biden parties and they're all having a good time and they're right next to each other and they're passing around champagne bottles and sharing it it's great and here's the other thing remember me saying that COVID-19 would cease to exist if Joe Biden won? Do you remember all the other commentators saying the exact same thing, right? But isn't it amazing? If you turn on CNN, I I would urge you, maybe right now, pause this if if you're not in the car or something like that, turn on the television, turn on CNN. Isn't there something missing from the screen on CNN? It's the COVID ticker. Because for months, no matter what they were talking about, they could have been talking about puppies and marshmallows, but on the screen was the number of cases, right? And the number of deaths and the number of this, because COVID was a losing issue for Donald Trump, right? But magically, magically, it doesn't exist anymore. We're not even talking about, we're not talking about these super spreader events, like all these Biden celebration parties that happened all across the country, right? Because COVID exists, really. Unless you're rioting for Black Lives Matter, you know, celebrating Joe Biden winning, likely, celebrating the Lakers winning a championship. Essentially, I had it on good authority, guys, that your loved ones had to die alone and that you had to say goodbye to them via FaceTime. I had it on good authority that your children had to receive their educations online, which is essentially useless. I also had it on good authority that your business, your business that you saved up for, maybe even a generational business, had to go under, had to go out of business in order to protect the public. It was required for public safety, right? Unless it's for BLM or Joe Biden or a team you like. Like there was this one guy on Twitter that early in the morning, he was posting pictures and videos of, of the Biden you know, rallies and all these people celebrating and how great it was. And about 12 hours later, he was sent a tweet out because a Clemson lost to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So the students rushed the field, right? There's no social distancing when you rush the field. He posted a picture of that. And he's like, oh man, this is pretty bad when we're still in a pandemic. It's like, dude, <laughs> a couple of meals ago, you were saying the exact opposite because you don't really agree with what these white college students are doing on the field. But you know, all these people celebrating Biden, Biden all good, right? So that's an interesting media narrative. And by the way, Pfizer, which announced Monday, that you know they've got clinical trials that they've got 90% success rate on their COVID-19 vaccine. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, well that wasn't political." Bull crap. That was absolutely political. You're telling me that Pfizer waits 6 days after the general election even though they already had the information. They waited 6 days to announce their vaccine breakthrough. A vaccine breakthrough that happened because of Operation Warp Speed which was uh headed by a guy named Donald Trump. And people are like, well, why would Pfizer want to go against Donald Trump and blah, blah, blah? Because Donald Trump is one of the few major political candidates ever to say that uh, pharmaceutical pricing is absolutely insane and that he wants to bring it down. So of course, Pfizer would play a political game because Joe Biden's not going to say something like that. You know, might say it at a rally, but he's not going to take steps to actually change it, right? Another interesting media narrative that we're going to see shift is that Biden is the one that's going to make the economy bounce back, right? Because we've seen the economy bounce back with the Pfizer news that happened on Monday, Monday, like the economy absolutely skyrocketed. So we might see that U-shaped or V-shaped recovery, but it'll be technically during the Joe Biden administration, right? So there's going to be some nonsense going on there. And the last thing here is look at how all these other countries love the United States again. 
Like a buddy of mine posted on Facebook, oh good, we're not the laughing stock of the world anymore. Can I just go ahead and say, I could give a crap what people in the, the other parts of the world think about the United States, right? Because if you're in France right now, I don't care what you think of the United States. And guess what? You shouldn't care what I think of France. It shouldn't matter because I'm not French. I don't live there. I don't have to be under that regime or under that government, right? So I could care less. Like I saw these polls beforehand of like in Belgium and the Netherlands and the UK and, you know, Italy and all these places and their approval ratings for Joe Biden versus Donald Trump coming into this election. And it's like, I could not care less about that. Not one bit less about that. But again, it's going to be like, oh, all these other countries love us again. Isn't that, isn't that a miracle? Isn't that great? So those are just some of my random thoughts. And here's the thing. We'll go ahead and flow into the main part here. I have a main reason. Why I think that Donald Trump probably lost this election, right? Probable. But there are several other contributing factors and reasons that I want to go over. I think that they're pertinent for me to go over first before I get to that. So let me flow on those three and then I'll get to the main reason why I think he lost. The very first reason that I think that he lost or something that I, that led to his probable loss is the mainstream media because duh, of course, have you ever in your life, for some of you guys that listen to this, you're, you're way older than I am. Have you ever in your entire life seen a political candidate have this amount of opposition from the mainstream media? Maybe you saw it, but maybe it was a few decades ago when the mainstream media wasn't like it was now. There wasn't these tw- this 24-hour news. There, there wasn't this news cycle that we see with, with Twitter, uh, essentially with the journalists going on there. We didn't see any of that. Now, Donald Trump had a hand in that because he was basically always poking the bear. That was the media. But at the same time, the mainstream media had it out for him. They had it out for him, you know, since before he even decided he was going to run as the Republican nominee, right? To, to run, to become the Republican nominee. They had it out for him for whatever reason. He was, he was just Donald Trump. He was, you know, the guy from, you know, the, the rich billionaire, uh, mogul before that. And he was the guy from the apprentice. And then all of a sudden he wanted to get in the political, political sphere. And he started like poking at him and saying that they were fake news along the way. And it's like, Oh, we gotta try to destroy this guy. The mainstream media literally had it out to destroy this man. And the thing is, is he gives you plenty of things to poke at, right? He gives you plenty of targets to hit just because of his personality, right? Which I've talked about a lot in previous podcasts, but that is a massive factor. Because the number of people that think that Donald Trump is a blatant white supremacist racist is astounding. And they believe that because the media constantly tells them that, right? Have you seen the compilation video? I think it's of like three or four dozen times where Donald Trump explicitly decries white supremacy and the KKK and David Duke and neo-Nazis and everything. But then we constantly kept hearing from the media, our media betters, right? The, the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the Slates and the New York Times and the Washington Post that he's never decried white supremacy. Now, there are times when he should have decried it in much more clear language, but that would be like me praying for every blind person to be able to see color, to assume that Donald Trump's going to be precise in his language moving forward. But every opportunity he got, he decried it. But you will literally still hear people say, oh God, got to get that orange racist out of office. Right? racism is such a specific and blatant and evil charge if you don't have the goods to prove it. And and they think they've got the goods because they got this quote over here or that quote over there, most of which have been taken out of context. But we believe that because it's a narrative, right? And the mainstream media also propagated the polling, right? Which is not one of the main reasons I'm going to specify here. But the polling is a big reason. A lot of polling is meant to actually suppress voting because if you think your guy's going to lose, right, there's no way that Donald Trump can win. Why are you going to donate to the campaign? You might as well throw the money in the trash, right? 
you know, do I really want to go sit in line for three hours to vote? Because, you know, he's just not going to win in this state. He's down by 17 points, right? There were, he was supposed to lose by double digits in Wisconsin, and it looks like he might lose by 10,000 votes or 20,000 votes or something like that. Not by points and points, maybe a point or two, right? So again, it's going to suppress the vote, but the mainstream media is obviously complicit in Donald Trump likely losing. The next main reason that Donald Trump likely probably lost is big tech. And we've talked about this. I did an entire podcast episode that big tech is not your friend, right? The Hunter Biden story, two weeks before the election. All of a sudden you can't share it on social media. New York Post has their Twitter account completely frozen. You know, the day of the election, there were people that were pointing out in the afternoon, they were pointing out these things, these irregularities. And, oh, hey, you know, I'm supposed to be inside right now uh, watching the vote go on because I'm, I'm a campaign watcher and they're not letting me in because I'm a Republican. But all the Democrats are in there. And all those stories were seemingly not being allowed to be posted on Twitter or, or Facebook, or they were in the process of being fact-checked. There were conservative news sites that all of a sudden, for, for the months leading up to the election, like the last month or two, all their traffic was going down. They weren't showing up in Google searches. YouTube videos were mysteriously b- disappearing. Or there were community guidelines violations that were being brought up at these unbelievably inopportune times where people would actually be on to where they could see the video, but now they can't see the video because it's been taken down or it's been temporarily paused or not being able to be distributed or shared, right? So big tech absolutely had a hand in this. You had Mark Zuckerberg, who again, he's an individual citizen, but he also runs one of the biggest companies on the his- in the history of the world, right? Facebook, one of the most important companies in the history of the world, giving tens of millions of dollars or at least millions of dollars to these organizations that are basically going in and trying to win specific counties and communities in these swing states, right? So we cannot pretend like these tech overlords are neutral because they're not. And I know a lot of guys are, there's a lot of stuff around Parler, like joining Parler right now, which is basically conservative Twitter. But how long until that's just another one of the other ones? Because when you get drunk on power, you don't want less power. So I don't really trust that that's going to end up being the savior of social media by any stretch of the imagination. But big tech absolutely had a huge, huge impact on Donald Trump likely losing this election. And the last one before we get to the main one is COVID-19. I mean, my goodness, in January of this year, it looks like Donald Trump is just going to run away with the election. It, like, it wasn't going to matter what the, the mainstream media said. It wasn't going to matter what big tech did. Donald Trump was going to win because it was trending towards Bernie Sanders as a representative of the Democratic ticket. And at that point, you essentially, you definitely keep the White House. You definitely keep the Senate. You might regain the House and you're going to lose just about every other thing down ballot because every Democrat was going to basically have to sign on to Bernie Sanders's insane socialist agenda like in all of his communist tendencies, right? It was going to be a horrible, horrible election for Democrats in, de- in January. The, the market is at all-time highs. You know, black unemployment, lowest it's maybe ever been. Latino unemployment, lowest it's maybe ever been. Wages are going up. Everyone's happy. Everyone's loving things. And then there's every now and then a, a, you know, just go back to your mind in January. Every now and then there's this mention, you know, maybe on the second or third page in the newspaper or maybe the third or fourth segment down as you're watching Fox News or CNN about this COVID-19 thing, this pandemic that's kind of, you know, or this, you know, virus that's broken out in China and, you know, we've got to keep it under wraps. And, and then slowly it became what it is today right? And then we had lockdowns, which essentially crushed the economy. We had, you know, every, basically every world leader that's not New Zealand because they're on an island by themselves, uh, kind of bungled this, right? 
And it was a godsend, literally a godsend. I'm not saying God sent the, the virus, so, so don't don't at me. But it was literally to Democrats. It seemed like a godsend, right? Because they had nothing on Donald Trump. They tried to impeach him. Didn't work. You know, they released his tax returns. It's like, oh, so he's not that rich. OK, no big deal. Moving on. There's no you know, he wasn't getting peed on by Russian hookers there. They, they had nothing. He was Teflon Don. There was nothing sticking to him. And then a global pandemic hits. Pretty much the entire economy for the entire world shuts down, right? Donald Trump had some crazy things he said in his media interviews. A lot of people thought he did a good job and then he didn't do a good job. And then, oh, he's got 200,000 people's blood, uh, blood on his hands. It became a very easy media narrative. This is Donald Trump's fault. If Hillary Clinton was in office, your grandma wouldn't be dead today, right? That was, that was the thing. COVID-19 has a huge impact on whether or not Donald Trump uh, wins this election, which again, I, I just don't see any way that he actually wins this. So the mainstream media, big tech, COVID-19. But here is the main reason. So thanks for sticking in for, uh, for about a half hour to get to the main reason why I think that Trump probably lost this election. Himself. Himself. He should take a lot of responsibility for this likely loss. Because... There is a simple rule, and you've probably heard Ben Shapiro point this out a lot of times. The simple rule of politics is to make yourself easy to vote for and make the other guy hard to vote for. Donald Trump just could not do that. He constantly had to be the center of attention. He constantly had to be the guy that everyone was talking about. He, again, just go back to the first debate performance. We, we might look back here in you know, a decade to that first debate as, as the time that Donald Trump lost the election. You've got the entire country watching tens of millions of people and he wouldn't let Joe Biden talk. And every time Joe Biden talks, he gaffs. Every time he lets him talk, he says something like, yeah, of course we're going to stop fracking in Pennsylvania, right? He, he just says things like that, but he wouldn't let him talk. He came off like an ass. Like he just looked so stupid in that first debate. It, it was so embarrassing watching that. And again, just a reminder, guys, I'm not just piling on him here. I voted for the guy. I voted for him happily, and I still hope somehow he wins if it's within the law and within the, the actual election regulations, right? But he has done himself a disservice with those voters that would have gone to him because of his policies. Because again, I said in my, in my last podcast where I talked about this, that I chose to vote for Donald Trump because of policy, not because of personality. I, I ignored his personality because I liked his policy so much. And the thing is, is when Mike Pence is out there talking about the Trump message, and the policy, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. We like that. But when Trump says it and when Trump, you know, flames people on Twitter and, you know, goes, you know, scorched earth to, at a media member at a press conference, like his base really likes that. But does the stay at home mom in Pennsylvania like that? Does, you know, the, the nurse in Wisconsin like that? Is that really something that's going to get them to switch their vote? Because here's the thing, the democratic platform and policies, most people, or I won't say most people, but a lot of people don't like that. And if the numbers hold up, it looks like Donald Trump is going to lose a second term because of tens of thousands of votes, probably less than 100,000 votes total. And more votes were cast in this election total than any other election ever. Joe Biden looks to receive the, the most votes in the history of presidential elections. And Donald Trump will get number two, more than either Barack Obama, a win, you know, more than any other Republican candidate ever. A lot of people voted for him. It's going to come down to maybe less than 100,000 votes, maybe significantly less than that. But you have to look at the combination of what the last four years have been and compound that to be like all the rhetoric on Twitter, all the flaming, all, all the dunking on people and, and all those things. He made himself incredibly hard to vote for. 
So I was talking with a good buddy of mine who chose to vote for Joe Biden. This is a guy who is ideologically a Republican. He's, he's probably fiscally conservative and, and, you know, more, you know, liberal when it comes to social issues, which I've told you before my issues with that as a worldview. But he literally said it this way. He said, Kyle, I can't have a vote for Donald Trump on my record. Like he was literally looking at it like a report card. Like when he looks back and he's talking to his grandkids about the people he's voted for, he could not bring himself to voting for a guy like Donald Trump. He couldn't have it on his record, as he said. And it's hard to argue with a guy like that, but I did. And for months I was like, but, but just ignore Donald Trump. Like, let's just call him X, Y, Z, right? And let's just look at the policies of X, Y, Z versus the policies of a Joe Biden or a Kamala Harris. Like, let's just look at the, the things that they think, the things that they've said, the, the positions they've shifted on magically in the last year to 18 months. But Donald Trump always had to be the center of attention. He had to have his name on the COVID-19 relief check. The only one that ever came. He always had to be the center of attention. And when you're the center of attention, the referendum on the election is on you, right? That, that, that's always how it goes. And so for the sake of the country, I wish that Donald Trump could have toned it down a little bit. And for some of you that are big time Trump people, it's like, no, he had to tone it up and he, he can't just be the, the, the moderate Republican and all that. It hasn't worked. It didn't work for Romney. It didn't work for McCain. It didn't work for HW the second time. You know, whatever thing, like, I, I get it. But can you imagine what this election would have been like if over the last four years he had maybe just tweeted once a week? Maybe his tweets were just positive about the country. Maybe they were unifying in their message while at the same time attacking these evil ideologies that were coming out of the Democratic Party. Would that have been beneficial? I think it would have been. Because again, people have talked about tele- teleprompter trunk. Like every time he does a speech from teleprompter, it's like, man, where'd that come from? But when he's flowing and kind of being a, you know, a comedian on stage and all that, yeah, there's some, some funny moments and I've certainly laughed and I think he's an entertaining guy. But again, if you have to think about it from the shoes of a fence straddling voter, what is that doing for them? They're not getting the warm fuzzies by voting for you because you don't seem presidential, which is supposed to mean something, even though I don't think it actually should or does. So there's a lot of finger pointing to go around. Again, I think the Republican party's in pretty good shape moving forward if they can continue to get the vote out for certain people. Um, again, I, I'm not in, incredibly optimistic about some of the people that might come up and their ability to get that same type of excitement, but we'll see again, just kind of wrap up here. If I'm wrong about this guys, if I've jumped the gun and you know, six, seven, eight weeks from now, it, it's found that there was this tremendous amount of, uh, you know, sh- just crap going on in all these different races and they were able to shift it over to the Trump side legally. Uh, then yeah, I'll absolutely come on and eat my words. But assuming when all this is ratified, I will do probably another podcast, just kind of summing up the Donald Trump presidency, going over some things that he's been able to do uh, and some of the thoughts about the country moving forward. But as of right now, the main reason why I think that Donald Trump probably lost this election is because of himself. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing you content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So the article I have for you is a complete divergence from anything that we've talked about. But on Albert Muller's podcast a couple of days ago, he talked about J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, who wrote the Lord of the Rings, um, because there's news coming out that Amazon is trying to do a Lord of the Rings show, but they're all, they plan on doing sex and nudity and violence and stuff like that. So they're trying to do Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones style is seemingly the case. But he talked about this, this letter that J.R.R. Tolkien uh, wrote to his son 
back in the day on the subject of sex. So how to talk about sex to your son. I thought it was incredibly uh, interesting. Uh, just the discussion of that, but also the article itself. So I've got that article for you here. So even if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, which I would not consider myself one of those as well, I haven't read the books. I fell asleep, you know, halfway through the second movie, never watched the third one. I, it's just not really my thing. But again, this is a, this is a masterful writer apparently. And this is a, a, a very, very famous guy having a very candid discussion with his son about a very sensitive topic. How many, how many times can you say very in just a few sentences? But I think it's going to be an interesting thing for you guys to read, especially if you have sons that are kind of in that age range where you got to have the talk. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please take a second to leave us five stars and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. That's That just helps us with everything, helps us get this information out to more people. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the beginning of 2021. So if you want to come speak on your podcast at your men's event, whatever, hit me up info at undaunted.life. The email is info at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Earns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. And also, August Burns Red is doing a playthrough concert where you can buy tickets this Saturday. And so I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well. But you can basically listen to them play their first full-length album all the way through. And they're also going to have, you know, some more songs that they're going to play there at the end. So if you're hankering to go to a concert and you want to go to an awesome concert, make sure you check that out. I'll put the link here in the show notes. But again, guys, let's go and wrap up here. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, Keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. I need a defense.